afternoon, everyone. As the slide <laughs> suggests, my name is Jack Hughes, Scrum Master at Swindon at the moment. Uh, spent seven years in the Royal Navy as a, a leading seaman above water weapons, also known as a gunner. And today, hopefully, we're going to learn a bit about flow and how that relates to warships. So, going back to 2011, uh, we found ourselves off the coast of Libya. For whatever reason, the United Kingdom decided to get involved. Uh, like I said, we could debate that all afternoon long, but we were there to do a job. I was serving on the mighty F-81, which is a Type 23 frigate based out of Plymouth. At the time, we were in Scotland for a home county visit. Um, got the call, you guys have been activated. All 180 ships company got recalled for leave. The captain was on leave at the time. He had to cancel his holiday also. Um, we sailed down to Plymouth, got rearmed, got restocked um, through the, the Bay of Biscay, through the Straits of Gibraltar, and before we knew it, we were in um, the Mediterranean. On the way down, as you can imagine, we were practicing, exercising for every possible scenario. It was a young ship's. It was a young ship's company, and for the majority of us. It doesn't get much more real than a wartime scenario on a warship. They don't come about that often. The last wartime scenario was probably the, the, um, the Iraq War, before that the 1990 Gulf War, and even before that the Falklands. So as you can imagine, the excitement, the anticipation was building for everyone. It's not a nice thing to tell your family and friends, but at the end of the day, we joined for a purpose, and now that purpose was coming to the forefront. As we sailed down, we went into something called defence watches, which is essentially six hours on, six hours off. So half the ship will be on watch, going about their daily duties, half the ship will be eating, sleeping, replenishing, exercising. And the reason why we did six on, six off is because if the call to action came, we can quickly and efficiently come to action stations. And action stations is a real thing, okay? It's not just something you hear in the films, it is an actual thing. So yeah, basically six on, six off, half the ship's going to be asleep, half awake. If a call to action comes, we can bring the ship to action stations pretty quickly. As with most things, we found out on Sky News that we were going in within the, uh, the 12 mile radius to support HMS Ocean because they had the um, Apache helicopters on board. Everyone was in the mess. All oh, right, okay, we're sort of going. And then the captain told us to um, proceed to action stations. So it's now 11 o'clock. Don't forget, we're still in six hours on, six hours off. Half the ship's company is currently in bed. There's no panic, there's no shouting, apart from that very loud alarm, and the hum of machinery, the ship is quiet. Apart from the one or two acknowledgements as you pass each other on uh, going to your, to go into your respective station, 
you know, a lot of acknowledgement, good luck and all that good stuff. You know, we're British, good luck old chap and all that. Um, apart from that, it's a very quiet place, much like our software engineers and our IT force. Flow even comes to the forefront when we try and replenish the ship. So when we're in action stations, there's something called action messing, okay? So the premise of it, the, the thing behind this is you have seven minutes to go to the, the galley or the feeding area, eat and get back. All while being encouraged by people up the chain, also known as project managers in our world. Gently encouraged to be as quick as possible and get back to work so you can leave your opposite number. If our teams aren't properly nourished, then morale will go down. And I'm of the belief that if we don't nourish our teams in our line of work now, they're, they're, they're at um, risk of sinking also. That junior chef becomes part, becomes part of the support party. That young steward is now part of the damage control team. From the captain to the 17-year-old lad or lady out of training, Everyone has a role to play. If the captain goes down, the second in command steps up. And it will continue to go until you know there's a skeleton crew left. A very extreme example, I know, but everyone on that ship is there to do a job. Bottlenecks on warships don't exist. You will never find a bottleneck or a task that cannot be done on a warship. If someone walks past the fire, do you think they don't extinguish it? Do you think they wait for the, they get the fire party to turn up? No. They do what they can until they're relieved by the fire party. They attack it, they call for help, and everyone swarms around it until that fire, flood, anything you can think of that can go wrong on a ship can. They are a self-contained unit. Cross-functional, T-shaped individuals in our line of work part of the flow I believe that the teams we should that the teams we work with should be of the same mindset now I'm not going to stand here and say we should run our teams like warships that's not what I'm trying to say that's not what I'm trying to get at I'm just trying to bring to life <coughs> a real life scenario that we can maybe relate whip limits for example how many times have you had pushback for whip limits within teams they're there for a reason a Navy example is you, when you're fast roping from a helicopter, you throw the rope down, you have two people on the rope at the same time. It makes sense. Any more, it'd be dangerous. Any less, there'd be no one to support you at the bottom. It's just common sense. I'm under no illusion this doesn't happen at night, overnight, you know, but none of us signed up for easy. We, as agile coaches, scrum masters, cat herders, whatever title we've bestowed upon ourselves, love this job and we're all here for a reason and that is to help our teams function efficiently and have some fun along the way. I spent a lot of time at sea, probably all in all about 1100 days away from home. Did I get along with everyone? No. Do, I get every, do we all get along with the people we work with now? Probably not. But the point is, we're all there for a common reason. But there's three things that are missing, in my opinion. We have an absence of trust. We have fear. 
and there's a shortage of accountability. So how do we build trust? Consistency is the key. If we're consistent in our own actions as Agile coaches, Scrum Masters or anything in between, trust will then be built. If we go in every day with a new, new idea is great, <coughs> but if we go in and try and change the team each and every day, we're not being consistent. The team aren't going to trust us. Consistent actions build trust. Now fear. I, a lot, I hear a lot of fear, the Kanban, Agile, Scrum, Safe, Less. Any more? Any more in the room? There's a lot of fear of these frameworks. There's nothing scary about frameworks. There's nothing scary about Agile or nothing scary about what we're trying to achieve. What is scary is trying to work with a group of people who don't like each other, trust each other, and they don't feel like they're in a safe environment. As coaches, that should be what we're afraid of, and that's what we should be trying to, to, uh, to counter. At the end of the day, shipmates are stronger than teams. Like I said, I'm not you know, trying to say we should run them in a military style, but I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of shipmates being stronger than teams. That family element, that one community where we can all achieve great things. Shortage of accountability. Again, I'm of the belief that if we build trust, eliminate fear, that whole team will become accountable for each other. Okay. If we if we manage to going every day with these new fresh ideas but not force them upon the team we're being consistent in our actions we're going to build the trust if we show the team a different perspective of not being fearful of these frameworks and putting labels on everything at the end of the day most of these frameworks are all common sense no one's going in with an agenda businesses want to make money most of us in this conference in this room um, we just want to build successful teams with relatable human beings. So I've done the easy bit by saying what, what my world of the, you know my view of the world could be. But hopefully we can start at the beginning. So I've chosen beginning, a middle and an end. Three things. Because I believe three represents a multitude of things. In reference to today, we're going to start at the beginning. Where's your team currently? When's the last time you all asked yourself that? We get so caught up in trying to do the right rituals, but are we doing them properly? We all know we need to do a sprint planning. We all know a retro is part of the framework, and we all know a sprint review comes at the end of the, the sprint. But how many times do you hear, either face-to-face or via someone else, that a team member's voice has not been heard due to retrospective? I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel like I could... Um, show my true feelings I was worried I was going to get shot down by not literally a senior member or the technical lead one idea I don't know if you do this I'm assuming you do junior one-to-one coaching sessions invite the team in one by one ask them to write one word for these three things how do you feel at the moment how do you think your team feels about you and how do you think the team is perceived by the business? Three words. By the time you've had a one-to-one with the whole team, you should have a pretty accurate picture about what's going on. If you've got ten words, 
and the team's feeling the same, you're going to have a pretty, you're going to be able to navigate where you think um, you can improve. That's creating a safe environment for them to be open and honest. Okay? One word to describe each of those three things. The middle, focus. Everyone knows what focus means. I mean focus in terms of follow one course until successful. Scrum masters, change agents, agile coaches. Resilience is probably the biggest key. Resilience and patience. If you're being parachuted into a new team, the management expects quick results, quick wins, low-hanging fruit, all the normal buzzwords that we hear every day. But what's... If we can't... If we can't um, follow through on that, if we can't be patient, if we can't celebrate the little wins and use them as our fuel to move forward, then we're never going to get anywhere, in my opinion. If we can't get the basics right, no, no matter what framework we're using, we need to follow through on it. There's a lot of talk, you know, LinkedIn's alive with forums, as we all know, debating. I'm not saying that you should be by the book, the scrum guide, but if we can't get the basics right, then we, you know, we're going to be flogging a dead horse. We need to follow one course and measure tiny bits of success along the way using them as fuel for the team and fuel as yourself as, a, as the person trying to, to um, inspire that change and motivate the team if you can hang on to the, the, the tiniest thing then the team will really appreciate that you know there's a lot of people who are glass half full type of people and that's fine but as, as the, the individuals in this room and in this conference if you can get that tiny drop out of that glass and that's all you need to maybe inspire the team the continuing end, there's no end to continuous improvement, as we all know. But we need to be holding up the mirror and being accountable to ourselves along the way. People always, you know, the World Cup's on at the moment. England might be 1-0 down at half-time. All the commentators are going to be judging them. Will they be saying the same at the end? The same as sprints. As scrum masters and all the other titles I've named today, we need to be constantly shielding that team whilst holding up the mirror and showing the success and showing that our focus and patience and resilience is shining through. Nothing is won at half-time. Nothing's won halfway through the sprint. That's as simple as that, really. We need to hold up the mirror, continue, um, continue to do so, not and. You know, another thing could be to write down one thing that you're grateful for every day. There's a lot of gratitude apps out there. One thing, one area you want to um, improve on with the team this week. And most importantly, one area you feel you have improved already. And then use that to build momentum forward. Nothing will ever replace making a cup of tea and sitting down with a notepad and pen. You may not always like what you see when you hold up the mirror. The team might not like it either. But we're all about transparency. It's all about being authentic and showing where the team actually are. No one likes to be, you know, I'm sure that for those of us who are married, no one likes to be um, called out on their own shortcomings. It's not a nice feeling. 
happens to me quite a lot. But, um, you know, if we can hold up that mirror and move forward, I think we'll be quite successful. To be honest, the talk was always going to be short. I, wrote, I, I typed that up. I found <coughs> real value in Q&A and sharing the, the experience. So these were just three, three tools. But I just do want you to ask yourselves, if that alarm went off and it was mentioned in another talk before about building teams quickly, to, would, how would you react? If someone comes to you and says they've got a problem, if someone writes those three words down, like I said in those one-to-one -one sessions, and they're, they're, they're raising alarms, you're going to sit back or are you going to move forward or are you going to sit on the fence? I know what I, I'd like to think I would do and I believe you guys can do the same as well. Thank you very much. So yeah, I'll open up the floor, Q&A, if there is any. In terms of the absence of trust made, yeah. and the inconsistency of changing, yeah. how do you marry that up with, with failing fast and, and iterating and improving? I think it all comes down to, you know, that everyone in this room probably read it, the, the drive, the autonomy, mastery and purpose. I think whoever's hired you in that position to influence that change, you have to set those boundaries up straight away. You have to say, you need to trust me, you need to give me, you know, a month or two. If you have to bootstrap the, the framework in that time to, to prove to the organisation, to prove to the team it works again, I've done that myself, then that's going to build trust. But like I said in the talk, if you're inconsistent and going in every day and chopping and changing things, the team are just going to turn, turn up. You're going to, I call it, you're going to do a Jose. You're going to lose the dressing room straight away if you're inconsistent with your options. On the flip side of that, um, how long would you progress with the about the continue to the end? Yeah. Um, how long would you continue with a method? Um, it's not a work agreed thing, it's just possibilities that could work. Yeah. So you're not changing enough as well. It's a risk of like sort of trying to follow a dead cat, but I really need a dead cat. Sorry for that. No, no, I totally get it. Yeah, I, I see what you mean. I think if people are going it, I always so the biggest example of this is probably Scrum and Kanban. Scrum ban, you know, things in between. If you I see it as, you know, Scrum being the framework in this example. And if that's not quite working, if you imagine um, a piece of tracing paper with Kanban elements over it, such as whip limits and, and things like that, then I think if you can tweak it slightly without going in, you know, like a bowling alley and trying to knock down all the skittles at once, maybe just trying to knock one skittle down at a time, then maybe you can add, you can add one thing and um, remove one thing, or you can do it vice versa. I just think you have to be really careful have been a bull in a china shop syndrome. I was uh, I was just thinking about when you were talking about doing six hours on, six hours off. Yeah. And I was convinced that you were about to say, and at the end of each six hour block, we learn something, and then we improve. Yeah. But obviously, in a in a in a real situation like that, obviously mistakes are severe. Yeah. Right. But you need to learn. And surely if you're doing that for weeks on end, which you must have to in some situations, you can all get tired as well. Yeah. So two questions really. 
How sustainable is it working like that? And what relevance do, we, do you see for scrum teams? Yeah. And uh, the second thing is, how do you learn in a situation like that where you're, you're under pressure to deliver, right? Or yeah. whatever it may be. Yeah. But you've got effectively two teams doing exactly the same thing on and off. How, how do you learn between you and make sure that everybody understands that? I mean, how does the Royal Navy deal with that, for example? Uh, that's a mechanism? really valuable point. Start with the first one, which is about sustainability. Mm-hmm. So it is sustainable. It's a st- on a ship, the captain makes the decision. So it's as sustainable as he, he tells you. He tells it, yeah, he tells it. But <laughs> I, I think we did it for, there's different variations, you know, we about six on six off as an example, the seven, seven on seven off, five on five off, which is a bit more relaxed, you get a, a bit more sleep. Um, I think three months is probably the longest I've done it for in, in that situation because it was needed. Um, it's funny you said about how do you improve? You know, we, there's handovers at the end of each of those watches. <coughs> Most of the time, in that, not in the corporate world, but in that situation, the guys and girls just want to get to bed. <laughs> so if you've seen anything, no. You know, we, we sort of know when we're going to be called to action because it's all lined up with other ships, if that makes sense. All the other allied forces. Um, in terms of how do we relate that back to scrum teams, I think that's what I think that was the point I was trying to make with the retrospectives. We, we might be doing them, but we're just going through the motions and saying how's everyone feeling, and you know, putting post-its on the wall. We're really um, having those authentic, open conversations about what people are feeling. And again, touching on your point, it's not sustainable if the team aren't on the same page. Um, that's all. Well, yeah, I was just thinking because there's much more to a culture of continuous improvement, isn't yeah. there? We're actually dealing with people in a really difficult situation, whereas yeah. something like Scrum affords you a mechanism for it through the framework. But yeah. actually, getting people into a mindset of it is, is quite a different challenge, I suspect. Yeah, and I think it's all about having that North Star. You know, it's called everything, isn't it? What's your why? What's your North Star? You could sprinkle glitter on it all you want, but it's having that one aim, or that one aim for the sprint. And again, to some teams, I've been guilty of it. Do they really put as much thought into the sprint goal as they possibly should? Or is it just that uh, we need to get this on paper so we can log it on Jira so everyone can see what we're up to? Um, maybe that's another thing we, we all need to, again, hold up the mirror to ourselves and are we doing the right job? Yes? Yeah? The, uh, the military, and I'm sure the Navy is no exception, is, is notoriously command and control. Yeah. Um, how did you find it, and how does that experience translate into agile cultures, which are um, very Being very honest, the command and control element was probably 70% of the reason I left. Um, I joined quite young, 17, got promoted at 21. Um, so I was an officer, I was just like, I got my hands dirty, I was just a normal sort of rating. Um, as I was getting these officers come through who had been in, you know, 18 months, I personally found it quite hard to take the orders off them because I didn't been through my own naivety of them t- um, serving at time to, to warrant and tell me what to do. And that's the honest truth of what, how I felt at the time, along with being away nine months of the year which didn't really help either. Um, and I think that's why the perspective 
you guys might have experienced it, that there's quite a few ex-forces entering the agile world and project management, especially you know, traditional Prince 2 project management. But I think the different perspective helps me realise and empathise with other team members. You know, I, I'm an outsider in terms of I'm not that technical, I can't code, but I do know how to get, I like to think I can get the best out of people in extreme situations, like I've got that different perspective, that makes sense. I didn't like being told to do It's a short summary of your question. <laughs> very hard, and again, I'll stand there and admit it myself, people revert to time in the end. If they're pushed and pushed and pushed, again, if, if it was a stressful situation and he thought, he or she thought their project management skills were best set at that, you know, aimed and pointed that way, they are naturally going to revert to what they know. Um, and I think that's where the one-to-one -one coaching and interaction, especially with a product owner, um, with the team is essential um, so they know so the team can see the product owner's point of view and the product owner can see the team's point of view so we don't put them in that situation to revert to, to what the team is going to fight back against essentially I'd agree with that I think the, the, one of the key tricks that we find is bring them closer um, the PO is essential that the PO is there um, and regularly very regularly attends the stand-ups um, is in on the retros, the sprint planning, the sprint reviews, all, all those key interactions, they've got to get closer, they've got to have that proper working appreciation of, um, of, of what the team is facing. And to the earlier point of command and control, I, I, I think that exists in a lot of organisations, ours is financial services, and, and is very much in that regard, the command and control, in that we have a lot of deadlines imposed on us by the FCA. Um, and subsequently then to fire very senior directors and it's not up for negotiation. No. But what we tend to give the teams then is um, is, a, is try and give them a bit more empowerment and a greater degree of flexibility and say, look, what works best for you? So we do fail fast and learn quick. So in terms of scrum, Kanban, scrum ban, you know, and, and or whatever other methods, uh, quite open to, to you know to those different approaches. Yeah. across the teams, it's, it's whatever works best for those particular individuals on that particular project. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm going to share what I wrote on the, um, the poster this morning, actually. It rings true to your point and to yours as well. Then a game of chess, you've got the pawns and the king and the queen, right? Hierarchy. And the game's over, they'll go back in the same box. They're just pieces of the board, just like we're all human beings. The hierarchy between a product owner or a project manager or a captain of a ship in an, an extreme situation, you know, you just need to be on a level with people because we all go back in the same box essentially. You can have that. <laughs> Anyone else? No? Okay. 
speaking of retros and uh, sticky notes, I have like some some feedback uh, board over there. It's good for me. It's the first time I've sort of done anything like this. Um, I spoke about the ex-military thing before, but this is the you know I felt underqualified enough before them kids rocked up in the morning. <laughs> so it'd be really good, you know, positive or negative or anything in between. It'd be really good to have your feedback on the content and the message we're trying to get across. I hope you have a brilliant day and a half left, and I appreciate you coming Thank you very much. <laughs>